Wednesday morning, day 48 in the counting of the Omer. Tomorrow is the holiday of Shavuos, two-day Yuntif for those of us outside of Israel. A one-day Yuntif plus one-day Shabbos for those in Israel. A golden opportunity to speak with your family if you're outside of Israel. A golden opportunity to speak with your family about heading to Israel. What do you mean, Nahum? Are there flights now to Israel? Are non-residents, non-citizens allowed to go? I don't mean that. I mean long-term. I mean think about over this Yom Tov, over these two days, what life would be like in the Holy Land. And then do what thousands have done during COVID-19. Check out the website at nbn.org.il for our friends at Nefesh Benefesh, nbn.org.il. For some facts about the last few weeks, and with words of inspiration before the holiday of Shavuot, it is with great pleasure that we say good morning to the co-founder of Nefesh Benefesh, the amazing Rabbi Josh Yehoshua Fass. Rabbi Fass speaking to us from Jerusalem. Rabbi Fass, welcome back to JM in the AM. It is so, so good to be on again. And as you said, so good to be on the phone from Yushalayim. Usually for the last few times we've been talking and I've been in my house, quarantined from Beit Shemesh, but uh, to be back in the office, has been really remarkable. I can imagine. You know, um, our chief of staff, uh, Rabbi Yigal Siegel, informed me that as of this coming Sunday, after Shavuot, after the Shavuot Shabbat weekend, this coming Sunday, basically, everything's going to be open. You'll, you'd be able to sit in a restaurant and things like that. Is is that the fact that the that a very, very high percentage of the country will literally be normal, so to speak, next week? It sounds like it. First of all, I would never... Uh rebut your brother's opinion. But uh, <laughs> yes, the news is is that Israel will be back online, um, besides for social distancing and the requirements for wearing masks. Um, yeah, it looks like restaurants are opening, um, facilities are opening, gyms are opening, stores are opening, without any limitations whatsoever, which is unbelievable. Uh, how many people? Have, how many people have said to you, "Oh, I wish I would have made Aliyah years ago. I would have had s- such an easier time during this pandemic." <laughs> Anybody? Zero. Commu- <laughs> <laughs> Nobody communicated that message to you, huh? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll tell you, it, it, it's been rough here, as you know. A quarter of the cases of death in this country are in New York City, yeah. and then you add New Jersey to it. You're talking about a tri-state area that has been hit. Very, very hard. This is obviously things that you know about and you've been yeah. fo- you've been following very closely. And God knows how many family and friends you know that were in very difficult situations. So this is this is a really, really interesting period of time. In fact, New York at the end of this week, meaning the five boroughs, will be the only part of New York State not reopened yet. So as things are really accelerating in Israel, thank God, things are still in this immediate area crawling along and we're hoping for real reopening by the way can you shed any light on this uh on this um uh, issue of flying to israel because now we hear that el al in fact will be starting some flights on a daily basis new york to tel aviv and la to tel aviv do you do you know or have any confirmation about what's what the plan is over the next few weeks israel is opening up their uh, some line i mean el al is opening up some lines um and the Gurion airport is going to start reopening uh, the requirement still would be for anyone coming from North America would have to be in self-quarantine for two weeks. So that requirement is going to stand, but at least there will be access for individuals to come. Again, not that, first of all, it's not to open to everyone. It's open for Olim and it's open for Israeli citizens and open for individuals with specific visas. 
And as we continue through the summer, they'll start expanding the access to uh, the greater population. Right. I hear that. I mean, I know that there's a fear of letting people in from other countries, especially the New York area. I get all that. Uh, but you could imagine how anxious we are, and it's something you and I discussed last time you were on. You could imagine how anxious we are to get to the Holy Land. Forget Aliyah for a moment. Forget Aliyah for a moment. There are people who've been on the air with me over the last few weeks, and as I speak to them, it hits me, and I mention it on the air to them, that that they typically you know, will wake up on a Monday morning and say, okay, tonight I'm flying to Israel, meaning literally they planned their trip for that evening, and they go for a couple of days and come back. And not having that active corridor for certain people, and again, you know, not that we're, not that we're crying for them. I know certain people are are like, you know, I wish I had the the capital and the and the ability and, yeah. and schedule. I get that we're not crying for, but still, it is amazing how certain people who are used to just being in Israel on such a regular basis are now outside of Israel for the longest period of of it could be the last ten or twenty years. I think on the bigger picture, we talked about this last time we discussed. I think just to digest the fact that a given is not a given for the last how many years this generation plus has been used to the given the right the availability of just getting on a plane and and always being able to come to israel whether or not it's last minute whether or not you've planned it six months ahead in advance and just the fact that everything's been frozen and halted and closed has been a a shocking uh, fact to digest unbelievable and very sobering for some yeah, believe me, it's been sobering as right. We're by Josh Fast with us, talking about Nefesh Benefesh. All right, so now that I set Aliyah aside for that comment, let's bring Aliyah back into the picture. A couple of weeks back, you were um, lauding the communities of the diaspora, rightfully so, uh, that they had responded to this, co- that many had responded to the COVID-19 crisis with, it, with increased interest in moving to Israel. Would you still say the same thing today? Um, and then some. <laughs> it's been uh, the trajectory of growth of Aliyah interest from the U.S. has been so outstanding that we have never seen anything like this in the last 20 years. Uh, I'll give you just some statistics, and we can and just ruminate over these statistics. And if you want to dissect it further, we can. But just to give you a sense of the top months ever. The highest months of any month that we received applications has always been teetering between maybe 450 households or families submitted an application um, uh, in, in, in one incredible month. Okay. We're ending the May with close to 800 families who submitted an application. Double. <laughs> Unbelievable. I'll, I'll, I'll give you another sense, just to give you... Um, Let's say, uh, on an average day, 200 documents come into Nefesh's system, and they're reviewed and filed and connected to the case management, then passed on to the relevant governmental agencies. Right. We are now hovering at close to 500 documents a day that are coming into our system. So your staff is not only back at work, they're working harder than ever. <laughs> oh, a, a thousand percent. I mean, um, we're, we are nearing just our call center. To give you a sense of that, we have over 150 calls more coming in daily. I'll give you a sense. In May last year in 2019, we had 4,000 people who called into our hotline. From May 1st to May 26th, 
right, in 2019. Apples to apples, May 1st to 26th in 2020, 10,650 phone calls came into our 1-866 number. Wow. So is COVID a better mega event than the mega? <laughs> no, I think there are moments. I think there are moments in history that allow individuals to take pause, um, and I think this was almost externally forced upon us, on humanity, on just to take pause and to take stock yeah. of uh, and to reflect. I mean, we've all taken these times, two, three months that we've uh, been home, been just with our families, been by ourselves, been with our thoughts. And with our prayers, it's allowed us to really prioritize our lives. And I just hope that we take those lessons, and those lessons are longstanding. But we've learned a lot about ourselves over this time. Did anybody? Who, and I think I'm sorry. And I think people, and I think people are 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 adjusting their lives, whether or not on the smaller uh, smaller values or greater values where they want to raise families or where they want to be. And we're seeing that. Um, I was talking to someone in the government yesterday and said, oh, COVID's pushing people. I said, no, COVID's not a push. It's, it's a recalibration of, of just sense and self. In other, and, uh, in other words, it made us think, and when Jews think, they're going to think Israel. They're going to think of goals and values. We think family. We think Torah. Right. We think community. We think Israel. We're a very value-based, centric people, and and when we have time to pause, um, that's where we're going to gravitate. Rabbi Josh Fass is with us, founder of uh, of Nefesh Benefesh. You know, it, this may sound a little—I'm not sure how this is going to sound, but the the it, we we always talk about how so many of the best in the diaspora go to Israel, how we lose how we lose quote unquote. You know, some of our best people and community leaders and those who are religiously serious, and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying others aren't religiously serious. I'm just saying that very often the makeup of those who leave, they have a lot of the really good qualities that we're looking for in community members. Uh, I think communities uh, in these parts have to get used to the fact that some of their top members, some of the people that are real visionaries and dreamers, are going to realize that vision and dream and leave them very soon. Agreed, but I wouldn't take it to the point of uh, a damning condemnation of all those who stay back. That we, no, of, uh, of the 4,000 people that make Aliyah um, every year from America, it's a tiny percentage. Um, they might have incredible values and leaders of our community, but there's a great percentage of individuals left within each of the communities that are people of value, of strength, of leadership that uh, I don't think we'll have communities bereft of, uh, well, of the, I, those, uh, those I, personalities. I agree with you, but I, I like to make the point that very often those who are making Aliyah have a, have a certain X factor to them that I think is very important. Compliments received. And, <laughs> yes, and I do appreciate your efforts to try to make sure I don't get down on myself. I appreciate your efforts. See, I'm to, trying to see if the therapy session happens to, formative. To be, there, to be there to prop up my ego so I don't feel that I'm not one of those that has that vision or dream and is, in fact, realizing that vision or that dream. That is why I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> we should talk more often. Rabbi Fass is with us, nbn.org.il. That's how you simply and easily 
uh, can get an application and start the whole process. It's nbn.org.il. There is a phone number. You heard him mention the call center. They do give tremendous advice, and they do have a um, wonderful staff that takes care of every single department of uh, Aliyah, and we'll talk about one of them in a moment. Uh, and all you got to do is call the number, 866-4-ALIYAH, 866-4, and then A-L-I-Y-A-H. I don't remember if I pointed that, this out with you last time or not. Um, I, I may have, but I think it bears repeating. Uh, you know, many are many who might consider Aliyah at this point are wondering how they could even think about uh, changing jobs, getting into a job market, which is obviously weakened. Every country's job market is weakened right now. Um, it, what would you say about those who are skeptical that a conversation with your employment counselors is worthwhile? It's always worthwhile. First of all, industries are are coming back online. Um, just uh, and even this week and last week, we're seeing our job board light up again. People posting, really? people posting positions. It's it's incredible to see just anecdotally um, from the reflection of the job of the job board with the opening back of the economy um, and recalibration of the economy. So jobs are being starting again. People are returning back to life. And uh, it is an incredible place to develop one's career. It's a great place to live not, and, of course, to work here. And uh, I think also what we've learned through the coronavirus is that remote work has been extremely successful for many different fields. And that will be transferable here to Israel as well. I don't know if you're aware of this or not. I was only told this last night. Um, I, I was under the impression that most, if not all, students who were visiting visiting, who are studying in Israel this year, you know, the gap year, et cetera, seminaries, yeshivot, et cetera. I was under the impression they just all came back to the U.S., those from this area. And then last night, yeah. last night I was told that there are certain seminaries and yeshivot that literally have been taking care of 20, 30, whatever number of boys or girls uh, over the last couple of months. And, yeah, they became their quarantine home. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, which is amazing. And I'm, and I'm wondering, you know, you always see people and I'll say this you know <laughs> a little bit a little bit exaggerated but you but you do often see uh, children of American parents walk into your office during their gap year and say okay I want to make Aliyah you know let's what do I do how do I go through this process I'm wondering if one of the reasons some of them stayed this year is because you know and didn't come back here I don't want to say home but didn't come back here during corona is because of that eventual goal. Do you have any idea if there's an uptick in lone students or lone soldiers who are now making Aliyah? So I'll give you an interesting statistic because we pride ourselves on these stats. In May last year, we had 140 18 to 21-year-olds apply just in the month of May. So this year we're at 250. Unbelievable. So you're seeing even it's across-the-board interest. It's not just an interest that is within a niche of retirees or young families. You're seeing it even in the student body. Uh, Rabbi Fass, I'm going to have to ask you to hold on a moment because I must deliver a message to the parents who are listening right now. Hey, parents of students who stayed in Israel who you thought were just quarantining or trying to get the most out of this experience and not leave the Holy Land, guess what? <laughs> You're about to get a message. Please, what trouble are you <laughs> putting me in? <laughs> guess what? You're going to get a message within hours, probably before the holiday begins, that they're planning on staying in the Holy Land. 
There goes my pre-Yuntif Manucha. I'll be getting Manning phone for all the worried parents from now on social You know, you know, you know, you know certain parents uh, here. You're you're friendly with many people on this side. Uh, it's very possible they're going to ask you to actually drive to the yeshiva or seminary and have a, a heart-to-heart talk with their kid. I think the reference of uh, I'm friendly with many has been uh, now a historic reference to my relationship. Uh, you heard that synagogues are beginning to open in this area? It's unbelievable. We we opened we, last Shabbat slowly, um, and we'll, we're having pocketed minyanim in our community as well throughout Chag. It's still tricky. It's a tricky um, concept. You know, how do we have the minyan? You know, your your the distancing. Your friend. Yeah, your, no, I shouldn't be interrupting you, but I'm just so anxious to speak to you. Uh, your friend and colleague, Rabbi Goldberg, down in Boca. He posted during the first minion that it felt to him somewhat like Ne'ilah, which I thought was cool because not not that it was the length or the concentration of Ne'ilah, I'm sure, but just saying that it was you know that that high moment, that spiritual moment of being back in a minion. It wasn't inside, of course, but but back in a minion. Did you feel anything special the first time you davened with a minion after all this? I'm in. I'm high risk. Oh, I've yet to be with a minion. I apologize. Uh, it will be the first time. No, it's okay. I made you feel bad for living in America. You can make me feel bad that I have health issues. Um, no, um, uh, my doctors have uh, very much clamped on clamped down on what I'm able to do or not. And I don't want to worry any of the listeners. I'm okay. Just had a bunch of uh, medical scares the last few years. But, uh, oh, Hashem, I am longing, longing, longing to be back with a minion. And I think you would, if, uh, if a ne'ila is a way to describe tears, Associated to prayer, then my fertila will will uh, is a good comparison to Neila as well. So I look forward to being able to get that green light from uh, medical professionals so I can join the world. I've been in for the two months that I was in the house. It was really a lockdown, and no one coming in, and very very limited who's going out from our family. So it was it was a challenge. Yeah, that, the it, first it, week. That's the first week that I'm back. In Yerushalayim, in the office, which uh, and it's very challenging as it is of how I can meet with people, uh, you know, and uh, the distancing. It's uh, but it's it's a remarkable thing just to, to get out of your house. Right, in that way, your yours and mine, my quarantine are somewhat similar. Do you have any clue if that clearance will come in the next week or two? Or at this point, you have no idea. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. You I get, think so. Make sure to contact me. I want a photo of you with the first minion. Yes, I hope it's not Shabbos. Um, no, but, but there's a fear, the same fear here, the same fear within America. Right. How fast are we opening the, loosening the regulations? Are they medically prompted or are they politically prompted or economically prompted? Right. And hoping that, you know, how long do we wait after the loosening of restrictions to realize whether or not it's behind us or, God forbid, we open too soon? So I have a few more days until that last period to be able to and it's to funny get back into and it's society. funny because because what led to my question likely was because as we sit here to us it seems like you know Israel's just opening up so quickly like you know everything's just totally back to normal I forget that obviously for some people and for certain communities it's going to be uh, somewhat slower and uh, I look forward to to the first minion I go to here it's possible it's going to take place either tomorrow night or 
or Thursday morning for the holiday of Shavuot. But honestly, we don't even have a because of all the machinations now necessary to register for and evaluate okay. the type of minion it's going to be and who will be there and under what circumstances. You know, until the last minute tomorrow night, we probably will not even know. Um, you know, d- definitively. So someone asked me if I'm willing to join a Vasekin minion, which here I think would start about 5 a.m. Uh, Rabbi Fast, would you like to guess what my response was to that? <laughs> I'm up already. It's my <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> I did tell them that if there's one member of the Seagull home that would do it, it would be me, but they cannot count on anybody else, that's for sure. <laughs> but we'll see what happens. Uh, Rabbi Fast reminds everybody, as do I. That this, the holiday of Shavuot, and we'll get a final message about the holiday in a moment from the rabbi. This, the holiday of Shavuot, is a perfect opportunity over these two days in the diaspora uh, to discuss with our families and mull over the prospect of moving to Israel. It could be, uh, let's see, Jerusalem. It could be Tel Aviv. It could be Haifa. It could be Arad. It could be Eilat. Rabbi Fass is looking into whether there's an Ashkenazic minion in a lot for me or not when I, uh, please God, move down there. Uh, it, could, it could be, I heard the, what do you, have you, well, you haven't been there, obviously, because nobody's traveling. But somebody uh, um, took a video for me at the Kinneret. First of all, the water level is amazing, just just amazing. And you could, yeah. and you could stand at the edge and see schools and schools of fish. That's how deep the water is at this moment up there. How, how, what a, what a tremendous blessing for Israel and the Jewish world. Remarkable. Uh, i got to go to Kinneret. Yeah, so I'm thinking of the Kinneret. I also hear <laughs> some nice restaurants up there. And, you know, that's important. I also ha- <laughs> I have a cousin in Chatzor. If I move up there, you'll probably never see me, Rabbi Fass. Because it would take, no, it would you'll take, meet halfway. See, a lot, I know you'd want to come down and spend the weekend during the summer, so I'd actually see you. But, yeah, uh, so we can melt as we visit you on Shabbat. But up in, up in Hatsar, it might be a completely different story. I don't know if you'd make the journey. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Kiryat Malachi, thinking of that one. You know what I was thinking of the other day? You know what I really enjoyed when I drove through? It just looked beautiful. Herzliya. Have you been to Herzliya? Beautiful. Isn't it a beautiful city? Just when you drive, and I've never spent any real time there, but as you drive through, it's just such a lovely place. So that's on my. You know, for those who wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to jump to Israel tonight, they probably move to Herzliya. <laughs> that's where they are, huh? In, a, in other words, you're, ba- you're basically saying, Siegel, that's out of your price range. Go back to Arad. Is that what you're saying? But, but gently. Of course, more, yeah. <laughs> What would the what would the uh, one family home in our rod be right now? You have any idea what the real estate prices are? They probably give it to you for free. <laughs> now, that's um, a, now that's a deal. That's a deal. And knowing the people right? at Nefesh, you might be able to facilitate that for us. Incentivization. How many hours? I know you're in a rush, but give me another minute. How no, how, how okay. many hours to drive from where you are right now to our rod? Um, more, more than two. No, an hour and 40 minutes, I would say. So it's not so crazy. I mean, the way I drive, an hour and 20 minutes, but an hour and 45 minutes. So it's like from here to the home whack. It's not a big deal. That's a, that's a good yeah. drive. Home <laughs> you like uh, you like that, huh? That's a when, memory. Whenever it is, uh, whenever it is a reference to one forty or one forty-five traveling, I always say here at home because <laughs> every time we went, we timed it, and it was always one forty. You know, is that great? <laughs> okay, Rabbi Fast, your final message as we are about to commemorate the giving of the Torah, and I wish people realized as we were standing at Sinai, and I do remind everybody we were standing at Sinai. 
I wish everybody would remember that we were standing at Sinai. There was a goal, and it wasn't just only the goal, not to use the word only in a derogatory fashion. It wasn't only the goal of, of being Mechabel the Torah, but that was the beginning of the process to eventually settle in Eretz Yisrael. Rabbi Fast, with that in mind, any special message as we enter the holiday of Shavuot? Just a pause for a moment before we go into the message for Shavuot. Last night, because it was hot off the press, last night we had a strategic conference Zoom call yeah. with the heads of El Al oh. to start planning the entire summer of group flights to accommodate this incredible wave of Aliyah. And hopefully, Wait please a God, a week after Shavuot, we'll be announcing a whole intense flight schedule. It's going to be a little different than in the past whoa, whoa, because of all these you... airport traveling regulations. But it's going to be exciting nonetheless. All right, now one second. My heart is skipping a beat here. And what? Be, and, and be careful with the <laughs> with the with the uh, high risk we just described. I have to be careful. Yeah. Uh, you, you just used the word group flights because I'm saying to myself that there's no way one charter flight would be enough for a summer like this with the interest you're having. Have they even addressed? the issue of charter flights, or when you say group flights, between 50 and 100 people will be making Aliyah together at different times during the summer. 50 to 100 individuals will be making Aliyah at one time or the other. We are hopefully going to be booking around 16 <gasps> group flights over the summer. Will you be on any of them? I have no idea. Let me get to Minion first. <laughs> Get to me, get to me, and start <laughs> praying. My house and say hello to more than one person. Get to me and start praying. Let alone, flights. let alone get to the airport. Sixty Before seconds. Sixty seconds for a shrewish message. Go ahead. We often, I mean, we, we so focus on Chag Matan Torah, which is uh, obviously the main predominant theme of Chag, but it's also Mishnah Bikurim. It's also Chag Bikurim. Right. It's the beginning of the time period that we can bring up the Bikurima, first fruits, Yerushalayim. And the amazing thing is that when we come and give our Bikurim, we also say this vidu, we say this, uh, not a confession, but a declaration. And the declaration is, You're saying, I, today, I came to Israel, and this is my first fruits, and an extension of a bunch of other psukim. And everyone asks, what do you mean? You could be a fifth-generation Israeli, and you're bringing your Bikurim, and you're saying, Today is a declaration of today. And I think there's a sense of newness. When we are living at certain times, there is, it doesn't make a difference if it happened in 48 or happened in 67 or 73. Um, when you're living in a parak that in a chapter in time that's miraculous, Every day feels new. Every day feels miraculous. Every day you want to pinch yourself and say, Oh my gosh, you got the Hayom Lashem Lokecha. I have a chance today to wake up in the morning and live in this miracle. So, as much as we are focused on Chag Matan Torah and we're learning all night and spending our time and recommitting ourselves to learning and being Kovei in the Torah and spending times and fixing our times of learning every day, but we should also remember that it's Chag Bikurim. Chag Bikurim is also a sense of wonder of the miracles that we have and connecting to our ancestral homeland and pinching ourselves of saying, Oh my gosh, today I'm here and I can celebrate and I can live in this incredible miracle. 
Absolutely brilliant. And by the way, people are reacting to this conversation, as you would expect. Uh, one person says COVID-19 has made people rethink priorities for many aliyah rises to the top. One says, Nahum, come to Beit Shemesh, not Ramat Beit Shemesh. I'll take that to heart as I look into my home in Arad. And then, and then finally, Rabbi Fast, look at the Nachas I get to end this conversation with. Listener Tina says, my son Yehuda Besner made Aliyah on Israel Day weeks after he was drafted via Hezder, Yeshivat HaKotel. I am so proud. Unbelievable. He has everything to be proud of. That is for sure. I wish I was spending Shavuot with you in Israel, but I'll make the best of being with my family over here on my fast. <laughs> Send my love to everyone, I please. certainly will. Kol HaKavod Chag Sameach. There he is, the one, the only, Rabbi Josh Yeshua Fast. Don't criticize me for not doing the, uh, the intro, everybody. <laughs> I know last time I said he would have his intro, making Aliyah today from Schlockrock. Now I'll say, uh, hopefully next time, please God. Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world, the web at NachumSiegel.com and the NachumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app.